millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm grossly underprepared for this, Brett. I'll warn you. Well, I know this is a difference, though. Probably not now. Probably not. I was going to say I've missed missed speaking to you. I was going to say I've not spoken to you for a while, but I've missed it. But I take it all back and I'm not going to say it at all. Hello and welcome to the Roka Report Exiles preview podcast in association with Vaux Breweries. I'm Brett Lyons-Davis from Milton Keynes and we've got a busy pod today. We'll be talking about the lads winning 1-0 at Tranmere yesterday, including our man Rich Spates, uh, before and after thoughts from outside Prenton Park. As we are the best of the Roka Report podcasts, we're actually taking on some extra work. We've got the extras responsibility now, so we'll be hearing from Jimmy Lawson as he caught up with Hugh Bunce from the PO4 car. I've been speaking with Louise Cardona, a New York prison guard who's coming over for his first ever Sunderland game this weekend. John is making the Exiles run. And also, as always, your letters and, of course, playing away. This week, though, I am joined first and foremost, John Stacey from Lincoln. John, how are you? Very well, Brett. I've literally just finished my run, which I will talk about later. But yeah, feeling very good. A bit tired out, but good. Feeling good. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to you. So I say, you know, you've done a big charity run. You've got us all sort of roped into it. But yeah, we'll be speaking about that later on. There's also one today, the man who I'm always petrified when I say where he's from. It's Bomber from Gloucester. How are you, mate? <laughs> Good evening, Brett. I've also just come back from a run. So yeah, a bit out of breath, a bit sweaty. Not had time to have a shower. I'm sure you wanted to know that. Yeah, cheers, mate. We're, we're a very fit pod this week, aren't we, actually? <laughs> and last, but by no means least, is our favourite Australian friend, Martin Wanless. Well, he's not actually Australian, is he? I suppose he's in Australia. Martin, how are you, mate? I am well, thank you. I'm a lot better with the um, the current results and also having knocked out about 29 miles this month. I am about to go for my last run of the month after we finish recording today, so... Thank you for John for getting my um, fat ass into gear in January. Yeah, we all have a John River thanks for that, don't we, actually? Uh, Martin, <laughs> with you being on the pod this week, um, obviously this is the first time that I've spoken to you, uh, well, this year actually, but obviously you came over from Australia over Christmas, um, back up to, back up to the North East. How was it coming back over again? You know, When was the last time you were back in the UK? I had a great time. The family had a great time. We, we were over for four and a half weeks. Apart from a... A fleeting weekend visit to, to London to the to watch the um, the Czech Trade Trophy final in March. The last time I was over before that was Simon Grayson era. So the last time I was at the Stadium of Light, I think we got beat off Sheffield United at home. So yeah, it's been 
a couple of seasons since I was at the Stadium of Life, but we got three games in at home. We got the Bolton game on Boxing Day, which was my um, six-year-old son's first game. And we got the Lincoln game and Wigan game. So I actually did pretty well in terms of the home games I got to. And what did your son think of his uh, his first visit to the stadium alike? He loved it. And you know, he's got a funny little accent. He's got a, an accent that English people think is Australian. Australian people think is, is English. He's walking around Australia now going, away the lads, away the lads. So he's, um, he's getting one or two looks at, at school, but... Look, it, it was a really special day, that Boxing Day game. You know, I know. I'll tell you what, Mark, you set the bar pretty low for him. <laughs> if his first well, game was this, Bolton, this, you set the bar low. This, this was all part of the plan. You see, my, my first game was a 2-0 home defeat to Oldham Athletic in front of about 11,000 people. So, in terms of the, the bars, we've we've got pretty low bars, the both of us. But Are you preparing him for when he, when he joins the Exiles in like 15 years or something? <laughs> he can say, oh, my first game. Well, that's right, exactly. I've suffered, but he's, you know, it's, it's quite good. He's been watching a, the, the last couple of games, Doncaster game, the Tranmere game, have, have been on sort of semi-reasonable times over here, sort of seven o'clock in the morning. So he's been watching them a bit and he's, he was spotting where we were sitting for the game when we were watching the Doncaster game. But yeah, look, as each of us have sort of different reasons for getting into supporting Sunderland, but mine, like a lot of people, is, is through family. And like, my dad started taking me when I was about seven-year-old. And from 1986 to 2010, when I moved over here, me and my dad went to every home game every every week. And wherever I was in the country, I'd drive up to me mum and dad's and me and my dad would go to the game. And for me and my dad to take my son to that Boxing Day game, regardless of the result, um, it, it was a cracking cracking day, a special day. You know, we went early, we had a look around the ground, we found our bricks in the wall and all that sort of stuff and it was just a, it was a really special, a really special day and obviously one that we hope that we'll, um, we'll repeat with better outcomes a number of times um, in the future. I, I understand 100%. As I said before, I, I took my, my daughter to her first game last season and, and me, her and my dad went as well and I've seen because I, I live down south and the whole reason I support Sunderland is because of my mum and dad and to take the three generations there it is a really really special moment and I know my dad for him as well it was really special to have his son and his granddaughter um, at the game and we did the exact same thing we we you know we went we ch- showed her the bricks first um, my my uncle who's no longer with us has got a brick at the stadium like just next to mine and my dad's and it is taking your, your kids to it, and it I say it sounds a bit soppy and, and and whatnot, but it is a really really special moment. Ultimately, that's what it's all about. It, obviously, the, the results dictate how you, you feel game to game and week to week. But to me, it's 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 all about friends, it's all about family. Like we've had the same season ticket seats at the Stadium of Life since it opened. Well, actually, I tell a lie. We after after two seasons, we um, we missed the deadline, so we had to move two rows in front. But we've pretty much had the same seats for you know 20 years so we know all the people around us and it's it's good to see all those people as well and you know some faces come and go but for them they knew that i was coming back they knew i was bringing ted to the first game they were excited to to see him as well and made a bit of a fuss about him and it it was just class that's brilliant it's more than a game mate definitely that um, but I will move on because uh, I've got well enough. <laughs> if, um, <laughs> obviously, the lads uh, won last night, 1-0 versus um, Tranmere on a very sandy, boggy, awful pitch. Um, but before sort of us four delve into it, Rich Spate was there recording both before and after the game. So uh, let's hear how uh, Rich got on first. We're outside the 
Mersey Clipper just next to Tramere Rovers football ground and with me I've got a Sunderland fan who lives locally John Lambert you alright there John? Yeah evening and I've got my little Thomas with us he's not so little these days you right, Tom? Yeah so we've come over from North Wales this is our closest game and John lives just up the road in Oxton is yeah, it? Oxton, yeah yes. Oxton. It's, um, this is effectively a home game for me although I won't be in the home end obviously short journey home for everyone tonight and uh, not so for a lot of the Sunderland fans who've come down we've just got the team news the team news is that basically the same side apart from well Turks um, not in the squads Bailey Wright's come in and uh, we've got the new sign-in Scowan is it I don't know if I pronounced that right but Joel he's Scowan yeah he's um, progressed to the bench so it's uh, the same system. It looks like same forward line, no Lafferty in the starting lineup, which I think we're a bit disappointed not seeing Lafferty. Is that right, Tom? Yeah. You wanted to see the big lad? Yeah, I wanted to see him in. Maybe score a few goals. Yeah, so we're, we're, I think a lot of people are expecting quite a, a big victory tonight. I'm not so confident. I have echoes of Bolton away in my mind. Everyone coming down expecting a, a stonking victory. Um, where, where are you on uh, your expectations for tonight, John? Yeah, I'm pretty confident we'll win. I've been living locally. I know Tramia haven't really been up to much all season. They got dealt with at the Stadium of Light and uh, they certainly got dealt with on Sunday. I don't think the conditions are going to hamper um, any side more than the other, really. Um, so I, as long as we uh, stick to our system and do the, the basic things right, think we'll be all right yeah I, I, the other the thing i've got in my head is well what was the score on on sunday uh no it was six nil i can't believe that i've got i've got in my head that their manager's going to be making them really tight he will have had them working on some of their defensive uh frailties but um and i didn't get to see that game but you were saying earlier that they look a bit vulnerable from even outside the box yeah, I mean, defensively, they're shambolic and they, they let, essentially just stood off and let United do whatever they wanted to do. So United would just um, had so much time on the ball and we were just pinging shots in. And as we were chatting about earlier, I think that plays into our, our strengths with Gucci and Maguire, who love a shot from outside the box. Uh, even Maybe even Max Power, if he can come and haunt his uh, boyhood team. Oh, yeah. This is, was described today as the Max Power derby. Yeah, I believe his old man is um, one of the ultras here. So... Uh, Fantastic. Well, uh, divided loyalties for uh, Mr. Power this evening. Um, we've been chatting to a few of the locals here. A very friendly club, I have to say. Um, no aggro going on outside the ground. Everyone seems in, in pretty high spirits, to be frank. And I'm sure we'll have a lot more to say predictions before we go in. Tom, shall we start with you? Because you uh, are pretty confident, aren't you? What do you think the score is going to be? Um, seven nil, seven one, seven one. Seven one. Well, it'll be a fantastic night if it is. Uh, have you got a bit of a more measured prediction there, John? Slightly more measured. I do think we'll keep a clean sheet. I think I don't think it'll be the prettiest game, but I think we'll win by one or two. Yeah, I think I, I'm gonna go for two nil. Um, I think we might law of averages. We could concede, but I'm gonna say two nil because they don't seem to have very much going forward, and who knows. We could end up with a, with a decent uh, score. It would be nice to see Lafferty coming off the bench to get one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with 2-0 with a, 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 a Dobson and a Lafferty, I think. Goal scorers? Um, Gucci and Maguire. Like I say, they're a threat from outside the box. They're, and 
you've predicted so many goals. You could go through half the team and say who your goal scorers. Who do you, you think is going to get the most for us then? Wyke or Lafferty? Wyke and Lafferty. Well, we'll see. Hopefully, uh, yeah, we'll get a, a, a good result this evening. Uh, yeah, another three points on the board, and I think I, I think the the less said about that game, the better. <laughs> so, um, what do we think in terms of uh, the weekend? Um, it's going to be a different kind of game. Do you think? Going to have to improve. Yeah. All over the pitch, I'd say. The playing surface will be better at Fratton Park and it's, it's going to be a real atmosphere down there. I mean, there's become some sort of uh, rivalry after last season and uh, what went on during the um, the home game down there in the uh, semi-final of the playoffs. Um, their home form, I don't think they've lost at home all year. We are starting to travel well. We've got the best defence in the league, so we've got to make use of that. Um, and like tonight's game, one bit of quality. One good ball in has done it, and if we can stick to those principles, then we've got every chance of going there and getting a result. But we have to play better. We had one shot on target in that game. One shot on target. Um, Some might say that's promotion form, but uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, we're, we're still there. We've five points off the top. We've we've moved into fifth place. So there's there's, there's every chance in there, Gav. Well, let's hope, innit? <laughs> Yeah. You've got to keep hoping. Hope we get a couple more lads in before Friday. I, th I we think need, we need a striker. I'd say nippy striker. Yes, yeah, so we won't get a striker unless two no, go. It's that, as simple as that, or at least one of them, or one of the big earners. I mean, um, I mean, you know, what, what's what more on a lot of money still on the Premier League contracts? You yeah. know, Griggs on what eleven grand a week, possibly. Yeah, and it doesn't look like uh, he's going to Minolte won't go unless both clubs agree to return him. Yeah, that's uh, and that's we it. So we're trapped with him. So I, I personally, I'd have cover for Denver Hume and um, I'll be uh, sleeping a lot happier. Yeah, there's, we're, we're a couple of injuries away from, from being in a bit of trouble, I think. Um, what do we think of uh, Bailey Wright's performance as a, as a debut today? What did you think of Bailey Wright, Tom, at the back in defence? Um, yeah, he was all right. Um, for about a few minutes. He dealt with everything, though. He dealt yeah. with dealt with the high balls, and yeah. I mean they didn't offer anything really. Nah. Although the first half, they could have they were one on one through on goal, weren't they? At one point. Yeah. But as you say, they didn't threaten at all, did they? They had a poor team. There was uh, a, a lot of balls whacked out of play tonight. Yeah. It they, was they dragged us down to their standard, basically, didn't they? I think you're absolutely they, right there. They I'm, down, I, like... I'm surprised that no balls went out the ground. I know, <laughs> over that little stand. Yeah, <laughs> one one nearly didn't. There were there was just a a proper lack of quality there, and we really didn't deal with the 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 pitch conditions, or or the way they played. And they were you know they were rough housing, weren't they? They were they were yeah. all over us. Yeah, they're a and, physical team. And again, just to reiterate, the refereeing was. Absolutely appalling. appalling. You know, you know that. You know the opposing team were like fish, and he didn't care. He didn't have to. They were diving them. all over, weren't they? Yeah, they would have been happier in water, I think. Absolutely. So, uh, cheers for your time, lads. So that was Rich Spate there, who was at Tranmere yesterday. So I'll start with you, Bomber. Difficult game, obviously, like pitch-wise, we got through it. What were your sort of thoughts of um of yesterday's match 
So I didn't I didn't get to follow the game yesterday, other than on Twitter. Going into the game, it was kind of one of those that I'm looking at the state of the pitch and looking uh, just it, it being a massive equaliser. It was one of those that you go away midweek and by hook or by crook you get a result and you come away with it from what i gather and from what i can tell the match itself was absolutely terrible so it doesn't sound like i missed an awful lot but the most important thing is again from what i can gather the the lads dug in ground it out got that goal on 60 minutes and kind of never looked back that's what you need to do you need you know you need to go to the likes of Tranmere and play on the sand and the terrible pitches and, and go and get results and Realistically, that was probably a game that last season, you know, we might have had a one-all draw or even earlier in the season, that would probably have been the same thing. So even though the game was by all accounts terrible, the performance wasn't great, I think that as a result means more than beating Wickham 4-0, in my opinion. Yeah, no, it was it was a ground-out result. Um, John, yourself, I know you were watching the, um, the same very biased Scouse stream that I was watching. Um, what were your sort of thoughts? Was it purely the result was the main thing, you know, performance of you know, a distant second? Yeah, I think it was difficult to watch. It was definitely a hard watch. But that was I think I think both sets of supporters would say that. And that was down to the pitch more than anything. But then I think uh, that famous saying of the pitch was a leveler was definitely apparent, I think. Tramia didn't really have much. The, the Scouse commentary that we were listening to, if you if if anybody else listened to it, they they'd think that they were sort of like they'd had ten shots and they literally had kind of one and um they were just biased about everything, which was hilarious. But the thing that I found most interesting about yesterday, and I say interesting, but I also say it positively in a sense of like the squad side of things. But uh, the last couple of games we've had, um well, last sort of three or four games, we've had players that are playing pretty well and starting to show a bit of consistency and whilst a few of them dropped off last night because they really struggled with the pitch what we saw was a few others come to the fore and sort of show what they had about them and I think uh, Luca Nine had a really good game and he'd been a bit off the ball on and off the last couple of games um, Charlie White obviously got the goal and his performance wasn't amazing you know they, they they bullied him again and been bullied the last couple of games and he's not showing I guess kind of strength that we thought he had but I think he plugged away and he carried on and, and he, he definitely showed like some grit about his, his mentality, I guess, more than anything away from his physicality. Max Power looked like he absolutely loved it um, and was easily man of the match, I think. And uh, Bailey White had a good game uh, coming in for Ozturk. I thought he, he did really well. He sort of showed that he's a bit of an old school defender, she wins all the headers, clatters people. Um, I thought he, he looked quite solid. You know, surprising that he jumped in, but obviously I think Ozturk's got an injury or something, but... You know, I was a bit concerned how he how he performed and whether he was fit and he, he looked really good. He looked like he enjoyed it on the pitch and all. And yeah, so while while Dobson and a few others sort of looked a bit and, and Hume didn't really look like he had much going forward. Gucci and Maguire struggled on the pitch. You know, other people came up and stood up. And 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 I'm going to take it as a positive going forward. I think I think what it shows is that you know we're not one trick ponies. We're not like you know we, we we're not reliant heavily as much as maybe people um, are kind of uh, assuming with with regards to Gooch and Maguire and you know because when they play poorly we've got other people that, that might stand up overall you know so I'm, I'm going to say it's a positive and, and hopefully they'll take that into the next game you know big game against Pompey so this is going to be a massive game on Saturday uh, Martin one thing I wanted to um, just touch upon yourself I know you mentioned it yesterday in, in the group chat Phil Parkinson and his subs um, you know what was your thoughts on those ones yeah well I don't think you can read too much into the game yesterday. It was one of those where you just have to go in, get a result if we can, and come out. The, the pitch didn't um, allow for any any real football. But one of the noticeable things about Phil Parkinson as, as manager is he doesn't tend to make too many subs to, to really change the 
the game and you know part of me thinks that's probably down to the the size of the squad and the options he's actually got because when you look on, on the bench there aren't a, a great deal of options I must admit I, I probably would have used um, McNulty a bit more than he has been used but you know for whatever reason he doesn't fancy him the concern that I have I think you know obviously we've we've had a, a nice run of form and it's been a good run of form and you know, Parkinson for all of the criticism he deserved for a terrible terrible start to his career here we do look as if we've actually got a system and a style of play and a, and a purpose about the team. And I think um, the best thing about the, the, the performance against Tranmere was the the attitude that the team showed, the commitment to it to grind out that, that result. The, the thing I have a, a concern about, and hopefully that will be addressed over the next sort of 24 hours or so with the, the transfer deadline, is we are so heavily reliant on... 11 or 12 players. You know, if, if Hume gets injured, if Maguire gets injured, if Gucci gets injured, we have a, a severe lack of options on the bench there. So I think that's probably you know part of the reason why Parkinson's um, subs haven't been too forthcoming. That game on Wednesday night will have took it out of them and we've got a hell of a difficult game on Saturday. So I'm just you know, keeping my fingers crossed that we don't see any repercussion on, on Saturday in the performance that the team delivers. Obviously, such a heavy pitch like that is going to take it out on the legs. Even when like, we were one nil up, I'm surprised to say, like you say, there are players like Gooch or Humor that we're really over relying at the moment weren't taken off just to save them for Saturday. So it will be interesting to see what sort of um, team he does start. It's, um, it's the midfield for me, Brett. Like Power and Dobson have that you know they've played what six, seven games on the banks and. Pretty much 90 minutes per game. It's a fine balancing act, isn't it? So it's good that we've got that consistency in that starting 11, and obviously they're performing. But, and I think Phil Parkinson also needs to take credit for he's quite clearly improved the fitness levels because early on in the season, there's no way that those 11 players would have got through 90 minutes of of games for seven games on the bench without breaking down or without needing a rest. So I do think he needs credit in that respect, but I do worry about that, that centre midfield. I know we've got Scowan in there now, but Power and Dobson have played an awful lot of football over the last couple of months. The only real backup being Grant Ledbetter, which nobody seems to trust anymore. No, no I agree with you there. Well, I said it's hopefully we've got say 24 hours left of the window where I know a few more names have been, Chuck forward today. I'm no doubt come tomorrow morning there'll be another handful that will you know, appear that we're after. You know, once that dust settles, you know, I do think we need to add to the squad. You know, I know we was all saying it previously that under Jack Ross we never knew our set eleven game by game. Mm. Whereas now we can name that set eleven easily. But now we're now think, is it too much of a set eleven? You know, say so you need to rest players and give people, you know when form does dip, can somebody else come in? So no, the next 24 hours will, I think, determine where, you know, if we go up as automatic, if we're in the playoffs or ultimately we miss out. So that's yeah. no, going to be interesting. I think one um, final thing as well, it was good to see Joel Lynch celebrate a goal. Like he enjoyed <laughs> that one. <laughs> he did. A, it was very strange, that goal against um, the Dons, wasn't it? You just, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know what that was. Maybe he doesn't I like think it. it just caught, I think he just caught the, the camera, caught him at the wrong time. Or it, <laughs> it probably uh, did. I think he's just saying yeah. that, that little snippet there, if we're trying to catch his breath or something. Yeah. yeah. 
I'm sure he's as happy as anybody. Yeah. Um, but we will come on to talking about um, the Portsmouth game on Saturday. Obviously, it's a massive game. Um, but as I said, we've sort of taken on board some of the um, Roker Report extra responsibility. So Jimmy Lawson uh, caught up with Hugh Bunce from the PO4 pod. And um, here's what they had to say. Hello and welcome back to the Extra Podcast. It's me, Jimmy Lawson, and I'm delighted to say I've been joined by Hugh. How are you doing today? I'm good to be on the podcast again. Yeah, recurring guest. You're probably, you're probably up there at this point as, if not the most regular guest from an opposite fan base, certainly up there. In fact, you, you probably got that title. Is this number four? Um, well, I've done it for a couple of years now, and we played each other so many times last season, didn't we? Was it four four times? So I think it, it might be a bit higher than that. I think this might be seven or, or maybe more. Well, that is that is some effort, Hugh. Yeah, no, because we did have the the five games, including the uh, Czech Trade Trophy final, that was 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 so important that you've already kind of moved well beyond it. That sort of meaningless trophy that you guys uh, took from us in heartbreaking fashion. Yeah, we're still competing in that as well. So, you know, why not just add more games to the schedule? I know. It's one of those where I had the theory going into the season that Sunderland would be too good to tank the competition. I thought we're definitely going to make it at least until the round of 16. And then, believe it or not, we were so terrible in autumn, we're, we're already out. So we've, we've at least uh, achieved that goal for the season of getting out of that competition nice and early. Maybe that's a tactical move from Parkinson. What do you reckon, a masterclass? I I wish it was. I wish it was. But we actually played a full-strength team and lost 3-0 to Scunthorpe. Like, I don't know how Scunthorpe are getting on now, but at the time they were 18th in League 2. And it was just one of those games where you're like, oh my God, how, how am I football club this bad? It was It was truly a sort of grim moment. I'm sure any Sunderland fans that, that watched the game, any fans that were there, We'll just have that one scarred in the memory as a as an all time low point for a team that's had quite a few of them sort of over the last five to ten years. Well, but, we just but... we just knocked them out, mate. So um, oh, and they wow. played a pretty oh, wow. a pretty tight game actually, two one, um, and it wasn't an easy game. So I don't know if that makes you feel any better or not. Not really, not really. I mean, no. kind of, kind of, kind of reassuring. But yeah, no, it was it was just the way that it was like. Oh my God, when they got the second goal, you were like, are we going to lose this game 4-0? Are we about to get turned over by one of the worst teams in League 2? But if they're, if they're picking up and giving you a game and you're in good form, that's at least... Yeah, yeah, it does soften it a little. Now, the, the interesting thing sort of with, with Portsmouth is the last time we played you guys was way back in August. I think it was the third game of the season. And maybe with the exception of Ipswich at that time, Hugh, it was still seen as a game between the two quality teams in League One, the two promotion favourites. All our listeners, myself, I've got plenty of theories as to why it's all gone wrong for Sunderland. But from a Portsmouth perspective, what, what were the reasons for your struggles this season? It was, a, it was a really difficult start to the season. And as you said, um, coming up till mid-October, I think we're 17th in the league. So it, what, was, what was particularly bad, I suppose, about us was... The fact that we had players playing all out of position, um, Kenny Jacket in that sense was, you know, getting a pretty hard time. And at the time, I think quite fairly from from the fans, there was a lot of individual errors actually at the start. And Kenny Jacket started by playing a, a sort of four three three, quite a high press, um, which I thought was really good. 
but unfortunately we had quite a few little individual errors at the back some slips and lack of concentration giving goals away and eventually he basically reverted back to a formation which he which is the very defensive deep formation that Kenny Jacket tends to refer to in times of need now the problem with that is it doesn't suit the players which which we've uh, you know purchased in the summer so it was a system that wasn't working um, and until recently when we started turning it round it, the players didn't fit the system at all and I think everyone just lost a lot of confidence. We couldn't score goals. We conceded a lot of late goals as well. Uh, games that stuck in the memory, one of the ones against Coventry when we went down to down, well Coventry went down to nine men and then managed to pull it back, pull two goals back late on and that just shows the absolute shot of confidence that the squad had at the time. So it's good to see us turn it around now. Yeah, no, I mean, that is that is something I wanted to touch on, really, the late goals, because when things were going badly for you, I did notice sort of like in certain areas of Football League Twitter, a lot of people that sort of analysed the league closely were sort of saying this this Portsmouth team, they're, they're dominating games, they're still doing a lot of things right, and they just can't catch a break. So was that the sense from the fan base? Was Was there a sense that this team is way better than, say, 16th in the league or however far you dropped? Or, or like you said, were there still also question marks about the team's ability to take chances and obviously the manager as well? There was huge issues as well at the back. And, you know, Kenny Jacket went out in the summer and he brought in Paul Downing, who, you know, from Blackburn, but, you know, Sunderland fans remember him as well, playing at Doncaster last season. We all mm-hmm. thought he'd come in and, and do a good job. You know, I, I thought the transfer was a good bit of business, but... For whatever reason, it didn't work out. And then he tried all kinds of different position, uh, people sorry, to partner Burgess at the back. So we had yeah. Ollie Hawkins, who you guys know played up front. He mm. played centre-back for a while. Obviously, um, you had Downing playing there. You've now got Sean Raggett, um, who's now stepped into the team to play there as well. Tom Naylor was playing centre-back at some time. And um, we've had Brandon Houndstrip, our left-back, playing right-back. And Anton Walks playing right-back or centre-midfield. So... It was really a bunch of sort of like round holes or square pegs being forced into them. And I think because of that, there was no coercion to the team. It was all really sloppy, really messy. And yeah, it, it was quite horrible to watch actually at the time. But I think Kenny Jackett's finally sort of found a formation that works. The players seem to be sort of bought into the system more. Uh, and there's no doubt this squad's a really talented team. It was just about, could he get the best out of them on the pitch? How was the uh, Ollie Hawkins at centre-back experiment? Because that was one that sort of jumped out at me. Like, I remember him playing there in a big game against Wickham, and I thought, is that a thing now? Because obviously he's massive, but it's, it, it was just very weird to see him playing there. It's an odd one, actually, because I thought, I mean, he stepped in and he, he did a job, basically, and he's not a... He's not a centre-back, is he? He's a striker. But mm. that just shows how poorly Kenny Jacket thought of Downing and other centre-backs that he bought in, yeah. that he ended up starting our striker at the back purely because, you know, he's defensively he can hold on to the ball, he can, he can head it clear. But there was a couple of really big howling mistakes, which meant that it became quite clear that we couldn't consistently play Hawkins at centre-back. So he gave away a couple of penalties, against Peterborough we're 2-1 up at home and uh, 
Um, he manages to lose Mo, lose Mo Issa completely in the box. And it's just that sort of that mentality that a central defender has, knowing where to track runners that Ollie Hawkins, unfortunately, you know, doesn't possess. So, you know, if you need to fill in for a game or two, that's fine. But he's definitely not the solution um, at the back for Pompey. Sort of on this run you're on now, is, is the defence something that you've shored up? Is, is it somewhere that's, that's maybe still a weak point in the team? How, how confident are you in sort of your current back four and your goalkeeper going into Saturday's game? Well, I mean, the defence looks really solid, actually, in, in more recent games. The team generally is playing very well. Uh, seven wins in a row now in all competitions. As far as the form table goes, I think we're... I think we're top in the last 12 games, for instance. So um, eight wins, uh, two losses, I think, two draws. But the defence has been a lot more solid. Sean Raggett's come in and, and partnered up Christian Burgess, who you guys would be quite familiar with from yeah. last season, playing at the back with with Matt Clark, who obviously moved on. And there are big boots to fill for anybody who's going to step in and, and take over from Matt Clark. But Sean Raggett's looked all right. He's had some really good games. Um, he played really well against Lincoln last night. I was, I was really impressed with his performance there. And it's just the occasional, he's got the occasional howler in him. And I suppose you could say that for a lot of League One defenders, though, can't you? And maybe I'm holding him up to too high a standard. But you know, if possible, getting a new centre-back would be preferable. You know, the likes of Mane Monte at Tranmere was, was really, I think, be the difference maker for us at centre-back. But just moving quickly to left-back, we brought in Steve Seddon. Uh, from Birmingham on loan. He's been an absolute treat. His dead ball delivery is amazing. He's quick going forward. He's made a huge difference. I think he's got five or six assists now in five or six games. That'll be right. Um, then, that'll be right near the top. That that must be the most for a defender in this league. I would have thought. Yeah, and he only joined at the start of January as well. So I mean he takes our he takes our corners as well. He's and the centre-backs have actually started scoring. So Christian Burgess has got two recently. You know, Sean Rackett's decent in the air. He hasn't scored yet, but, you know, we're actually looking like a dangerous... Our defenders are actually causing trouble, basically, for other opposition defences and generally looking very solid. You know, if you play the ball long, if it's in the air, those two at the back are there to clean it up. So going forward, we look a little bit better. James Bolton on the right is... It, it's a little bit defensive, doesn't get forward too well, but you know, Seddon's you know really difficult to stop, and mm. genuinely the whole team, I haven't really got any complaints. Yeah, no, I mean like Burgess for the most part in in all our games, I think he's somebody that's that's normally stepped up and been quite good. I think he likes the matchup with Wyke. I think those two know each other from a previous club. If I'm remembering right from sort of previous commentaries on the game, I think he likes going up against that big physical centre forward that's going to give him an arm wrestle. I think there's a lot of grabbing, a lot of elbowing, there's a lot going on. But for the most part, I think that's that's a matchup you guys generally do quite well in. Sort of moving on to sort of, you mentioned the form table, Portsmouth are going up. Um, at the time of recording, disclaimer, unfortunately recording whilst the Tranmere game's going on. This was scheduled before the Tranmere game got moved to Wednesday, and it's just one of those things. The FA and the EFL moved the game on short notice, and unfortunately, this podcast ends up clashing with the Tranmere game. But at the time recording, you guys are right there, just above us in the sort of playoff spots. How confident are you that the second half of the season, this could be a team that contends, that goes up automatically? 
Well, I suppose you've probably got the same feelings as us in in what the league's like this season because League One is nowhere near as strong as it was last season, in my opinion. You know, the likes of Luton, Barnsley and Charlton, I think they would be right up there now as one, two and three if they're in this league right now. Mm. So it's a very close league. Um, You look at the teams at the top now and you think Wickham, yeah, we can overcome that sort of team. You know, they've dropped points off recently. Rotherham are in good form, decent team, but have they got the quality in the squad to see it through in a sort of difficult period at the end of the season? Not quite so sure. It's all very tight, isn't it? And I think we've got a decent squad. And if you'd asked me this question in November, I would have laughed at you and said absolutely no chance. Yeah. Because we were were awful. Like, you know, we're absolutely awful. But looking at the table now, looking at our form, you know, January, we've had seven wins in it. Um... So only one draw. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with how things are looking. And I don't see why any other team in this league um, can't be beaten. And we can't go on to at least challenge for the automatics. And if not, get a playoff spot. Yeah, no, that's, that is interesting, like you say. I mean, it's one of those where, as a Sunderland fan, my, my opinion changes every week. If you'd spoke to me two weeks ago after we beat Wickham, I'd have said, yeah, we're, we're finishing first. That's it. It's done. It's done. We, we Parkinson's found his formula, and we're going. And then a sort of scraped win, and not overly convincing win against MK Dons, and a stalemate against Doncaster. And now all of a sudden, I'm really not sure what to think. I'm not sure whether this is a team that's 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 right there, ready to kick on and, and challenge. Like you said, Rotherham, not overly convinced. Ipswich have been up and down. It's it's really tricky to sort of get a sense of the good teams. Rotherham, I don't have a great sense of when we played them. We were winning 1-0. We miss a penalty to make it 2-0 in the first half an hour and draw that game one all. Typical Jack Ross game. Yeah. So it's, it's really hard for me to get a sense of, of, yeah, who the quality teams are. I think one of the things with Portsmouth is they've always sort of, like us, sort of maintained the season, not bad sort of underlying stats. They're sort of the late game, so you can maybe look at them and say, have they been unlucky at times? It's, yeah, no, it's an interesting one. I wanted to sort of touch on Kenny Jacket, Hugh, because obviously when we struggled, we changed managers. Jacket's still in. You mentioned before that there have been times where maybe he hasn't got the best out of new signings. Sort of what's the feeling around Portsmouth surrounding him at the moment? There was there was a huge chorus of, um, you know, fans who wanted Kenny Jacket out and it, it really split the fan base and, it got to the point where you know hosting a podcast like I do a bit like yourself you try and you try and sort of you know um listen to to the fans and 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 also your feeling and not make a not make a, a harsh judgment straight away but at the same time it got to the point where we lost to AFC Wimbledon uh, away it was one nil and I was standing on the terrace and I took a video of the Pompey fans uh, all singing you know we want jacket out at the time, towards Kenny Jacket, who was very close to the dugout. And at the time, I thought, do you know what? I think it's time for him to go. The board came out. They backed him. Okay, They stuck by him. And at the moment, even people who maybe see the long-term future of the club not behind Kenny Jacket are sort of, well, the majority, there's always a few, isn't there, are sort of rallying behind on the level of he has turned it round even to the surprise of some people and most people now are just back in the team at least at the end of the season and then we'll see what happens after that interesting so, so it's yeah no, that is interesting that 
even sort of if it does go right this season that that maybe yeah that maybe it, it won't be that long before it's a change and yeah no like you said he has he has turned it around but criticism obviously for sort of, it, I suppose yeah and I think the sorry to interrupt I think the main reason is is because when you look at the team we've got and the players we've got you know we're quite an attacking side really I mean, you've got the likes of Ronan Curtis John Marquis Ellis Harrison. Marcus Harness and these players need to play a, a lot more of a passing style. And I think a lot of fans got fed up watching Kenny Jackett's what some fans would call hoofball. So that was where not just the results, but it was the style of football. And if you're mm. going to lose, you might as well lose in an entertaining way. But recently that's changed a little bit in the game against Barnsley, for instance, you know, we outpassed them all around the pitch and looked look fantastic. So maybe he'll be able to win those fans around. And if he can play some more attractive football up until the end of the season, I think you'll see him stay at the club. I will be honest, actually. I remember sort of the game going all the way back to December 2018 when you guys were top of the league and flying and, and you beat us 3-1. Sort of going into that game and being a bit surprised at, yeah, just how direct you were, at just how sort of basic the football was, at just sort of, yeah, yeah, how route one it was, how much it was about sort of getting the ball into Hawkins and then playing off him. I was a bit surprised at that. And that is something sort of following the EFL that you do see from time to time that Jackets may be the guy who struggles to get the best out of the creative talents in your team. Maybe a bit like Jack Ross with us, doesn't always, yeah, create enough chances, doesn't play quite the attacking handbrake off football you should have. So that is. That is quite interesting. That's something that started to grate with the fan base. Obviously, when you get results, it's a lot easier to stomach and sort of compromise other stuff you don't like within the football club. Sort of, yeah, yeah you mentioned yeah. Marcus Harness, you mentioned John Marquis. And obviously, last time we played you, it was Marquis who was struggling, it was Harness who scored your goal and looks pretty good as a Jamal Lowe replacement. Sort of having followed Portsmouth's recent games, it's Marquis who's been scoring and Harness, who's been on the bench. What's sort of been the turnaround there and how have those two been getting on? Well, John Marquis got his um, opportunity in the team through a few more cup games coming on. Um, Kenny Jackett had an experiment playing him as a number 10 rather than a number 9, which didn't work, basically, to, to spell it quickly. Yeah, it doesn't sound well, great on it, paper. And it's because he, he was struggling to find somebody to play number 10 in the system. Now we've got Andy Cannon playing behind John Marquis, who he, he's great. He drives the ball forward. You know, he sucks defenders in. He plays those little through balls through. He's creating space for John Marquis. That's what he needed, really. So John Marquis is now doing what he does best, which is not anything outside the penalty area, basically. He just needs to get in the box. He scored quite a few mm. tap-ins, quite a few goals that arguably were going to go in anyway, effectively from another player and he's nicked him on the line or he's tapped him in, but they all count. When you've got a striker who can put the ball in the back of the net, that's what they're there for, isn't it? So Marquez's movement, I think, off the ball is, is pretty good at the moment. And now he's back into that number nine role. He's and playing regularly. He's actually looking like a goal threat again. Um, on the right-hand side, you've got Marcus Harness. And this, this is one thing that I actually don't like at the moment. You've got Ryan Williams, who's playing out wide right. Kenny Jackett really likes him. His work rate's good. He's decent on the ball. He cycles it well. But when it comes down to it, he hasn't really got that 
end product, you know, through assists or goals or whatever you want to know, really. So Marcus Harness is by far the better player. He's the player that if you go through one-on-one, you know, against your goalkeeper, you're more likely to, to worry about, you know, he can finish. But maybe his tracking back, well, Kenny Jackett at least perceives him as not as good a defensive option, which has meant that he's actually gone with a safer choice and played Ryan Williams out on the on wide right. So that's why Marcus Harness has struggled to get back into the team. And he has, he, I suppose like most attacking wingers, he, you know, he fluctuates a little bit, you know, he's a bit streaky. So if he does play or comes on, he is a goal threat and he will take players on. He will run at your, at your back, back three, I think it is now, isn't it? And, yeah. and cause them some problems. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of Marcus Harness's, and I think he's got a good future at the club. And he's got that ability to play at a higher level. So, yeah, I think it would be a good shout for you guys. I'd be happy if I was a Sunderland fan if I look at the team sheet and I see Ryan Williams playing right wing rather than Marcus Harness. Okay, so is this guy a bit of a League One Dirk out, bit of a trier that's not really going to potentially make or break the game? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, there are people in the Pompey fan base that, you know, think he's great and he works really hard and his dribbling's good and he passes the ball well and he moves. But when it comes to just getting that last ball in the box or just getting that shot away to make a goal, it just never quite works out. So that's how I'd sum him up quickly. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. And and like you said, Harness took his goal well at our place, looked like a confident player, looked like a pretty good Jamal Low replacement sort of in in the one meeting we've had and it was Marquis really where you were looking and thinking is this guy going to turn it round is this guy going to refine his Doncaster form and it sounds like now the roles have slightly slightly flipped a bit where Marquis is coming on he's back in the goals and Harness is the one on the outside looking at him yeah no I think that's a fair assessment I mean I think the right-hand side for Pompey has looked a little bit more defensive and whoever plays on the right-hand side as a winger will always struggle a little bit more defensive, well, sorry, Mm. offensively going forward because they haven't got a dynamic sort of uh, right-back to play with them. You know, James Bolton rarely gets, you know, forward on the overlap whilst Ronan Curtis on the other side, who's, you know, been Pompey's best player, and that's a a fact, I'd say, rather than Mm. an opinion, He's got Steve Seddon at the moment, who whipping round him, going on the overlap, providing them a short pass and pass back and then pass and move, you know, one touch football. So he's got that luxury of a really good wing back playing on the on the shoulder of him, whilst on the right hand side we look a little bit more muted. Yeah, yeah. And no, I mean we we had that problem a bit with Reese James last year where Aza McGeady would attract all this attention and then the ball would go out to Reese James and he couldn't cross or he couldn't dribble and he was just a purely defensive fullback. And it was an issue we had where James was so much better defensively than human Oviedo. We'd lean on him a lot and he played in a lot of our big games. But then there was always that thing when when James is playing, if he gets the ball, it's, it's pretty much the end of an attack. And it is is always that balancing act with managers and more often than not, a lot of them will take the safety first option. The other thing I sort of wanted to really hit on is one thing sort of as a Sunderland fan that although I see us as very evenly matched teams with similar ambitions that, that have sort of had some really sort of close tussles sort of last season is that it's felt as if Portsmouth have really struggled to create chances and break us down, obviously. 
you didn't score in the playoffs last season, won in 90 minutes in the Czech Trade Trophy. And then when you were still fighting for automatic promotion, we did a pretty good job of nullifying you at the stadium like in the league game as well. Do you have any idea what Kenny Jacket might do to address that? Or is this such a different team that isn't even really something he'd be concerned with? Pompey being quite a different team away from home and at home this season of how they how they set up and you know the same formation, same players, but these sort of attitudes to go for a game. So at Fratton Park, you know, we're unbeaten in the league this season, for instance, which is, you know, obviously great to see for the home fans. And I think you'll see we'll we'll start with quite a high tempo. You know, when we when we played against Barnsley, who are a very good passing team and a good attacking team, they played with two up front. And what we did is we pressed them right up the end of the pitch. You know, we didn't give them any time on the ball. We were bearing down on them from, you know, quickly. They looked panicked. Um, so I think the difference is that last season, a lot of the time we were getting, especially in the playoff semi-final, and you guys absolutely dominated the midfield, I think. It's fair to say. Um, we sat so deep. And, it, and we couldn't get the ball out. Then you had Hawkins, you know, or whoever isolated up front. And the balls are going long to him. And then it's, can he hold on to the ball for enough time, wasn't it? Until someone else can get there and support. I say now we're actually attacking more as, as a unit. Andy Cannon pushes forwards and attacks, you know, drives forward. Ronan Curtis is bearing down. And so is the same right winger. Uh, closes again, providing a bit more support up further up the pitch as well. And I think the other thing to point out is that the striker, whoever we play, whether it's John Marquis or Ellis Harrison, they're both fairly quick strikers who put a lot of pressure on the goalkeeper, uh, don't give your defenders much time on the ball. Whilst Hawkins couldn't really do that job of sort of, you know, running around and closing defenders down as well. So at the back, you'll get a lot less time on the ball. So, you know, as long as nothing goes terribly wrong. But we've got a lot, a lot quicker players in that sense up front. and. I think it's, it's, it's causing problems and creating chances. Yeah, you, you've got me a little bit worried saying that because one of our big problems sort of in the MK Dons game in the second half against Lincoln is once a team flips the switch on us and starts pressing us, we don't have the best technical players. It's, it's quite easy, especially for our back three, to then resort to just going long, going like long to white too often, and then the ball's coming back the balls with the opposition and we're forced to sit off and hand over the initiative to the other team so the idea that this is going to be a quicker Portsmouth team with that Fratton Park crowd that's this really gonna get after us does have me a little bit a little bit concerned considering that we haven't really followed up since our 4-0 smashing of Wickham so that does have me a bit worried if this is going to be a energetic faster Pompey side full of form coming for us that does have me a little bit concerned um sounds like sort of the key players is, is some new ones that you've mentioned and then the same sort of midfielders before who, who should Sunderland be looking out for obviously we sort of touched on Marquis and a few others this time around I mean the, the player to watch out for and um, I'm guessing he's the favorite player in Sunderland generally uh, from Pompey fans and it's um it's Ronan Curtis um, mm. 11 goals 11 goals in the league this season uh, what's quite interesting about him, which he's worked on over the summer and worked on for the start of the season, is that whilst he plays on the left-hand side, he's always been predominantly right-footed with his shot. So a lot of players are reading the cut-back inside-to-shoot move that he was doing, which was yeah. meant that he actually started the season really slowly. 
However, he's done a lot of work on crossing the ball with his left foot now. And because of that, he can skin players and put a great ball in with his left, which means that defenders are actually having to, you know, worry about that as well, which is opening up a lot of space for him to shoot with his right foot as well. Um, he scored a free kick uh, yesterday against Lincoln with his right foot, with the outside the box. He's by far our best player and on absolute form at the moment. Um, other players to watch out for, Andy Cannon, number 10. I've already mentioned him. He looks great. Um, you, know, you know Tom Naylor in, in holding midfield. Mm. Whether Ben Close starts um, in midfield again, I think he probably will start there. But you've got Cameron McGeehan as well on loan from Barnsley. who's a decent player. Um, obviously, he played before for Luton, if, if you recall him from we playing were, there. We were apparently very close to getting him last January. And it yeah. was one of those where, yeah, that was ne- we nearly got him just after we got Grigg. And it, it sounds like we couldn't get the deal over the line. It wasn't one that was reported that much, but I think we were really close to getting him for our midfield. So it would be interesting to see him if he does get a run out. Yeah, well, I think that's a possibility. I mean, ben Close scored a decent goal um, a couple of games ago, so maybe he takes a claim. But so the players, I'm, I'm going to highlight three. Um, it's Ronan Curtis, Steve Seddon, I've already said, our left back, and Andy Cannon, who I believe will play 10 in the game. So do you get the sense that this will be a bit like the playoff games where we're talking a really tense sort of scrappy affair, a real midfield battle or... With your guys' form, can we expect more goals this time? Do you think you guys will really open up? What What are you sort of anticipating ahead of Saturday? Well, it was it was a difficult one. I, I just uh, recorded my podcast and we talked about score predictions, and I, I was thinking about it. And you know, when it comes to us, I've always got one one in my head, um, no matter home or away. In in the form we're playing in at the moment, you know, I'd hope we'd be able to score more goals than that. I'd hope for more of a, maybe a 2-1 or a 3-1 to Pompey. But it will all come down to the fact, I think, and it, there's a lot of sort of shithousery and banter, isn't there? Or amnosity, I suppose, is a better word than banter between the two, the two sets of players. So if Pompey can keep their heads and pass the ball around well and get on the front foot, then I think we've got a good chance of scoring a few goals against you. However, you know, if we get wound up by, you know, Chris McGuire, who seems mm. to be having a great season as well, uh, for you guys, then it could get scrappy. If it gets scrappy and Pompey start going deep, sitting back, you know, arguing about stuff, I think Sunderland could even nick it or would get a draw. So if you can dominate that centre midfield and stop our high press and slow the game down a lot, I think you could be successful. But, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll back the boys here. Um, I'll say Pompey 3-1, but it could easily go either way, really, can't it? Against two really well-matched teams. Yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty much in total agreement. It's one of those where, yeah, both teams, the start's going to be crucial. If 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 you start well, obviously with that crowd, I think it'd be very hard for us to get anything out of the game. But conversely, like you said, if, if we slow the game down, if it starts slowly, if O9 and Maguire can play their roles as shithouses, if we're still in the game with half an hour gone, I think the big thing for Sunderland is we need to score that first goal. We've sort of, We've had so many games under Parkinson where we've like just not looked that dangerous, where we sort of had, yeah, we've, we've sort of come away from the stadium of like with a 1-1, with a nil-nil. I think against a good team, for us to get anything out of it, we have to get that first goal. And whether that first goal comes early on and we sit back or whether that first goal comes after we 
sort of have to soak up the pressure and then catch your cold after doing a bit of time wasting, after sort of Maguire's arguing with the ref, having it with the crowd. I don't know, but yeah, I, I tend to think I tend to think one one. I'm tempted to say one nil, but I tend to think one one that that you guys are going to score. You, you're too good not to at home, and I can't see us scoring more than one. So I think it'll be a one one draw. Really big game, really important game with sort of the way the playoffs are shaping up. Like you mentioned earlier, Wickham might fade away, but I can't see Rotherham, Peterborough and Ipswich going too far. So it's it's a huge one. And yeah, I can't wait for it, Hugh. Um, all the best for Saturday. And yeah, yeah, best of luck. Thanks a lot for taking some time out of your Wednesday evening. And hopefully it's not the playoffs again with us too. Yeah, I'm sure we'll be, we'll be back talking about it, won't we, later on in the season. Oh Ho- hopefully we can uh, we can both get promoted, eh? It's still possible. It's still definitely doable at this sort of midway, two-thirds away through se- through the season. It's definitely still doable, and, and that's definitely what I'm hoping for. So thanks a lot for your time, Hugh, and um, we'll see what happens on Saturday. You're most welcome. Cheers for having me on the show. No problem at all. Cheers, mate. <laughs> That was uh, Jimmy Lowson there talking to Hugh Bunce from the PO4 pod. Now, gentlemen, thoughts on Portsmouth. So it's a kind of you know it's a massive game, really. We're you know sitting fifth in the league. They are in seventh, one point behind, but a game in hand. So just assuming that we don't bring in anybody else um, in the next 24 hours, um, obviously that can all change. But you know, would you like to see a Carl Lafferty come in, Scowen come in, Bailey White keep his space? John, you know, what are your thoughts on that? I was actually thinking that earlier today, I was thinking, what would I do in the sort of shoes of Parky? And it's a tricky one because I definitely think that Bailey Wright's done enough to keep his place. The, the trickiest thing would be Wyke. I mean, in the last five games, he's played two, maybe two and a half, three decent games. And then he's been off the boil the last couple of games, but he's scored. Um, there's been a lot of calls on a lot of the pods and a lot of tweets and a lot of, you know, group chats and all that about just give, throwing Lafferty in and, and just starting him against Portsmouth, you know, you'll scare teams, etc., etc. Personally, I know he's played a few sort of 10, 15 minute cameos now, but I'm not sure about his fitness. Plus, I'm also not sure, I'm not seeing enough of him to think that in such a big game, is he someone that we thrust in in that situation? Now, you might think I'm bonkers thinking that, you know, Charlie White's off the boil, he's out of form, we shouldn't keep him in. But what other option do we have, you know, in this situation when you're thinking like for like? So, so I would be a bit concerned at chucking Carl Lafferty in. But then, you know, the football manager head, you know, playing the football manager game, I think I probably would chuck him in. Um, you know, an out-of-form player, you, you, you stick a like for liking. But it, uh, in the real world, I don't think it would. Beyond that, I think I think Scowen's got to come in, just echoing what Bomber said. I think he is fit. We've seen that he's a decent player. He's a bit, he was a bit shithousey last night, which was really good to see. And I just think that, you know, he, he, he seemed a decent player. And I actually do know enough about him. I texted a QPR mate of mine yesterday and he was sad to see him go, actually. They said that he was a pretty much... Um, he was in and out of the team, obviously, but he was a bit of a cult figure, a bit of a, a decent sort of puts himself about midfielder, which I think... Is a is a decent replacement for Dobbo. I think Dobson's had a bit of a, a torrid couple of games, and he's looking leggy. He, I mean, as leggy as a gargoyle can look, you know, like bending <laughs> over like he does. But he's looking really leggy. Like last night, I was I, I commented uh, on the group chat, like as if to say, you know, how he's always looking like he's running through mud. Well, he's definitely looking like he's running through mud tonight because he can barely run. So I definitely think. Um, you know, Powers had a great game. Keep him in. He looks like a leader. You know, he's he's really thriving in that sort of captain role. 
maybe bring Scowen in, leave Bailey Wright in, even if Ozturk's fit. But I'd re- I'd be reluctant to change much else at the minute. Okay, Martin, did you uh, agree with um, John there, or would you uh, make makes more? Yeah, pretty much. I actually think um, I think Parkinson said that Ozturk was just um, dropped for the for the game against Tranmere. So he he obviously saw something in Bailey Wright. He he, he likes. I always think Bailey Wright sounds double barreled as well. It's not. It's just. It's just right, isn't it? Um, <laughs> it does actually. You're correct. <laughs> but um, no, look, I, I I agree. I'd put Scowen in for Dobson. I think that's probably the only change I would make, barring injury. I think um, while you know Wyke isn't setting the world alight, I think he um, he's actually one of those players in that system who's just really important for the team. And I think overall the whole team is kind of performing better than the, the individual sum of its parts is. So I'd, I'd be reluctant to change that. I think second half, yes, on, on Wednesday, Wyke was was good. I thought he was he was dominated by their centre-halves in the first half. Um, but as, as a centre-forward, I think if, you, if you're scoring, which he he did on um, on Wednesday, I think it's it's really harsh to, to not start into the next game. So I think... I'd like to see Lafty get some game time, though. So I think I'd like to see Lafty get 20 or 30 minutes on, on Saturday, depending on how the game's going. But, um, yeah, scouring for Dobson, I think, who, who has looked um, as leggy, as John said, as a gargoyle can look. Um, yeah, that would be the, the only change I would make. And um, Bomber, I'll pass it over to you. Are you going to be mean about um, Dobson as well? Uh, I'm not going to be mean about Dobson. <laughs> I, I do quite like Dobson, but I do agree with the other two in that I think... It is uh, what well, I mentioned not 10 minutes, five minutes ago that, you know, I, I'm concerned for that those two centre midfielders haven't played a lot of football. Um, so I would agree with that change in that Scarron comes in for uh, for Dobson. Um, he's going to be up to speed. I know he's been in and out of the QPR team, but I think I've read somewhere that he's played 18 times for them this season. So he's going to be, you know, pretty much up to speed having played in 18 times in the championship. Um I'm going to disagree slightly, although I am quite conflicted on the Charlie White thing. Um, so every everywhere that we've looked to to get information on Lafferty and you know what he's been like and this that and the other, everybody has said that he is a big game player. When you need a goal in a massive game, um, he tends to pop up and deliver. Um, so for that reason, I would like to see him come in for White. The conflict that I've got is that when White pushes to the bench and for the last half hour of a Portsmouth game, if you're 1-0 or 1-0 down, who would you rather bring on to make an impact on the game, Carl Lafferty or Charlie White? And the answer again would be Carl Lafferty. Um, so yeah, I'm a bit conflicted on it. If we could have two Carl Lafferty's and you could start one and then bring the other one on in an hour, after an hour, that would be ideal. Um, but yeah, I would like to see Lafferty start just because we know it's you know aside from well it's one of probably four or five cup finals that essentially we're going to have in league one um this is probably the biggest game of our season so far and it needs a big game player and for what it's for what everyone's heard and what everyone's seen Lafferty is a big game player so I would probably like to see him start um and see if we can get the edge over Portsmouth before we even need to bring any subs. So my, my two changes would be uh, Scowen and Lafferty for Dobson and Wyke. And again, having not seen the game but heard good things, um, I would say Bailey Wright keeps his place as well. 
Well, one person who is guaranteed to be there on Saturday is um, a New York prison guard called Louise Cardona. Now, I caught up with Louise on Sunday, sorry, Sunday evening, um, just before he was heading over here. And um, here's what he had to say. Now, we've been asking for branches to uh, come on the Exiles pod, but this week, after seeing this tweet from Sincere83 from New York, um, and it goes a bit like this. In a week's time, I'll be in England for the first time watching Sunderland AFC play. The same excited as an understatement. Any SAFC fans going to a pub near Fratton Park, be sure to say hi. You'll know it's me. Now, we wanted to find out more about the man behind the tweet. And we found him. It is um, New York-based prison officer, Louise Cardona. Louise, how you doing? Hi, how's it going? Yeah, I'm very good. Thank you very much. So it's, a, it's a Sunday evening for me. It's uh, just gone seven o'clock here in the UK. Uh, what time are you over there in New York at the moment? Right now here in New York, it's uh, just after two o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, lovely. So you, you've got your, your Sunday to enjoy still. I'm getting ready for work at the moment. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you, you can enjoy your Sunday. Um, now, Louise, I say we saw your tweets um, the other day and it really, you know, say us guys in the Exiles pod um, got, got quite excited about this because it's great to have someone sort of coming over for the game on, um, on Saturday against Portsmouth. Mm-hmm. But before we sort of go into that, how does a prison officer in New York end up supporting Sunderland? <laughs> you want the short story or the the long longish kind of story? <laughs> let's let's have the long one. We want the good story. All right, the good story. Um, I think it was summer 2013. I was watching. Uh, I want to say it was Champions League qualifiers. I was betting on football, soccer, uh, at the time. And I was watching Celtic play. I think they it was the second leg. They were down. They lost the first leg. I can't remember the score. But I was watching inside the bar. And NBC had just picked up the rights to the Premier League. So I said, you know what? Premier League is the biggest league in the in the world. Let me find a team to follow. I didn't want to pick, you know, a Man United. I didn't want to pick a Liverpool. I didn't want to be a glory hunter. So I had asked some friends, you know, who's playing, who's American that's playing abroad? I know Clint Dempsey was playing abroad, Tim Howard, and name that came up was Josie Altidore. And okay. <laughs> wow. The season before, yeah, yeah, the season before he lit it up in the Dutch league, and I said, you know what? I think I'm gonna follow this this team that he's playing for. You know, he scored I don't know how many goals in, in the Dutch league the previous uh, season. Let me see what it's all about. And it's been a it's been a windy road since then, since 2013. Wow. So of all the players to um, attract you to Sunderland and, and no disrespect of him, you know, being American like yourself to have Josie Altidore be that man is saying something. But uh, Yeah, you know, I wanted to. I gave him the benefit of the doubt game after game after game. <laughs> and, and there came a point where I just said to hell with him. I'll root for anyone else on the team. Uh, needless to say, I was happy when he left. Very much I, su- so. I suppose it's a bit of a blessing now we've got Lyndon Gooch then, who's actually playing quite well for us. He is, he is. Um, I've I've known about Lyndon Gooch for a little bit. Uh, I know I never got to see him play, but I play FIFA a lot and I follow the teams that are on the game. I know Lyndon Gooch's card has been on there for ages. Um, I know he came in through the came up through the academy. He's been living in Sunderland in the UK for he was 10, 11 years old. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm glad that he's doing well now, and he's well, got first team exposure. 
Yeah, well, he, he scored an absolute scorcher last week against the, well, my hometown team with the MK Dons. He scored an absolute oh, okay. cracking goal last week. So, <laughs> so you you came on board then. So that would have been um, the season. That must have been like the Great Escape season then, I suppose. Yeah, the Gus Poirier uh, season. Gus Poirier, we, we got rid of... Uh, oh, man. And the managers. There's been so yeah. many managers. <laughs> it would have been Paolo, Paolo De Canio. Um, yeah, Paolo De Canio. We got rid of him. And the, abs- the absolute nutcase. <laughs> Gus Poirier came in right before the uh, the derby. I remember yep. that, and, and and yeah, it's been two great escape seasons, one after the other after the other. And like I said, it's so, been a it's been a windy road. Well, I suppose yeah. So you're thinking back then. So since you sort of you've you've come aboard. So that first season was the uh, League Cup um, against Man City, and then obviously that that great escape where mm-hmm. it was we beat Chelsea. Man's we drew a Man City, beat Chelsea, beat Man United, so that was amazing. Um, then the following season, again, we stayed up by the skin of our teeth, would have been Dick, Ad- Dick Advocat, um, yep. that nil nil the Arsenal. So, that's, so that's two really so, so one thing is it's not boring when you stay up sort of last few games of the season, is it? It's, it's very, very exciting. Um, no, it, it, it has been, yeah, yeah. So, we uh, yeah, then there was the Mags, we relegated the Mags, and then after that, I suppose you then. We've been relegated, but it was like the Moyes season, relegation, um, then championship relegation, and you've stuck on board. You've, you've stayed I'm, with us, which is amazing. I've stuck on board. Um, the season, when we were in the championship, I had signed up for the... the I, right oh, I, the, the I follow. Yeah, the I follow. I signed up for that for the season. Um, at the time, I had just become a corrections officer, a jailer. Uh, so my time was... I was working odd hours. I wasn't able to catch games that often. When we were in the Premier League, I caught pretty much every game you could think of. Uh, <laughs> that 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 game with Man United, when it came down to penalties, I saw that 5 o'clock in the afternoon in my living room, screaming, jumping up and down. <laughs> uh, nowadays, because of my work hours, I try to catch a game when I can, if it's on ESPN+. Plus. Um, I definitely catch the match highlights. Uh, I get the alerts on my phone when when we play, what the score is, and I'll check the scores constantly throughout the day. So for yourself, are you part of the um, the NASA branch? Let's say we've had the guys on a few times. Um, you know, did you get together with the other the other guys out there in New York? Uh, I have. I, I mean, I've the community in New York especially in, in the city, it's kind of small. So when we first, when I first started following the club, I think the only other Sunderland supporter was uh, Gavin. Uh, and I think he's now, he's a member of the executive, not the executive board, but he's on the board for the region where we live in. Um, and slowly and surely, you know, more people have come in, but it's a very small, small community, maybe five, 10 of us okay. at any given time at the, at the bar to watch a match. So you've also got um, two young kids as well. Um, so I've sort of checked out your uh, your, your Twitter, um, and you've got a son. Is he is he um, becoming a Sunderland sports like yourself? Are you forcing him to be one? I've tried. Um, <laughs> I've tried really hard. Uh, them not winning games kind of puts a hamper on that. But yeah, uh, it, does, it becomes difficult. I, I, yeah, I can agree difficult. with that. Um, he, I know he's excited to go. I told him we. For his, it's the trip to Europe is actually part of his tenth birthday. He just turned ten on Friday. Okay, oh, happy birthday to him! Thank you. We surprised him with, hey, he knew we were going to Europe. He didn't know we were going to England, and he didn't know we were going to catch a Sunderland game as well. So 
he was surprised with that and he's excited. He's looking forward to it. He's a big, I, we follow MLS here. Um, he's a big NYC FC fan. So them, he knows everything about. He's excited to go to those games. This game, he's excited for the experience. I think this could be the game though, because obviously it's, um, you know, Portsmouth have got a good home crowd. It'll be very noisy there. Away games are always great to go to. Um, being in the Sunderland away end is phenomenal. You know, it's obviously the most sort of passionate fans going down there. Um, some of them are, will be on the coach for about I don't know eight to ten hours, maybe more. Oh, wow. um, they might be slightly lubricated on the drink. <laughs> we don't know. Uh, you know, each to their own. Um, yeah. It'll be good. It'll be a real passionate crowd down there, and I think that's sort of the sort of game that that hooks him and unfortunately for him as Noel Quinn once famously said it, it gets under your skin um, and Sunderland might do that to him on Saturday so, yeah, yeah. Might, in, I, in about in about 20 to you know 20 years time he might hate you just to warn you I know my wife hates me <laughs> I don't know how many weekends were spent me sulking because we lost one nothing or two nothing or three nothing well, that was one question I was going to ask because obviously you're going to Europe. Um, mm-hmm. I say we had a quick chat before before we sort of started recording this, and you said obviously after you go to England, you're going to Rome. Now, I must ask this question: Did you plan your trip coming to England around the Sunderland fixtures? Surprisingly, no. Oh, okay. So um, it was just it was just it, my luck. So the way it was planned was we were originally supposed to spend the entire time in Rome. Okay. Um, we fly out on Wednesday, and we we had a layover in London. My wife said, you know what? We're in London. we got a layover. We've got time to kill. Would you mind staying a few days? I said, sure, no problem. And then I started looking up games. Where are we playing? <laughs> and I had to convince her. So I was like, hey, Thunderland are playing away. The only time we were actually going to leave Friday. I said, could we extend it to Saturday so I can catch a game? She said, no problem. And um, we, she agreed to it. And then argument ensued whether I was catching the early train to go to, to get to uh, Portsmouth or if I was catching the later train back. It was, <laughs> I'm needless to say, I'm going um, on the early train. I'll be at the pub catching the early train back into London as well. Good man. Good man. So as I say, your wife hates you, um, but... Oh, yeah. <laughs> As I say, it's, it, it's one afternoon of your holiday, you know, say so to, to, to go see the lads. Why are you in the UK? Why are you in England? You've got to come watch us play. So, no, fair play to you. And I really hope that you, um, you know, you enjoy your day. Um, and I will give, I'll give you a Twitter name, mate. If anyone's um, going to the Ports of Game on Saturday um, and wants to meet up, uh, your Twitter uh, is at Sincere83, which is S-Y-N-S-E-E-R 83. Um, yep. Now, have you got... Um, plans so far on Saturday? Do you know where you're going yet? Um, I had asked on the SMB message board. Uh, they've given me, I guess there's a there's a pub that everyone goes to, all the way supporters go to in yep. Fratton Park. Um, and I wish I could remember the name of it, but it, it, it escapes me at the moment. Um, it's, it's always good to do your homework. At any away day, um, the, what you always find, the Sunderland fans never cause trouble. The Sunderland fans just want to have a good time and have a good drink. Um, they always yeah. do, do, do your homework. And, but, you know, you, you, don't, you don't want to walk into that pub in Portsmouth like, a, um, like you're in a Wild West film and the whole pub exactly. turns around and stares at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
And that's that's the feeling I'm gonna. It, it's gonna be like um, an American werewolf in London, where yes. I walk <laughs> to the bar, everybody just stops and looks at me, and I'm all right. Am I in the wrong place or am I in the right place? I don't know. <laughs> No, but Louis, I hope you have a really, really good time. Um, and I hope, I hope you get three points for you. And I hope the game's so good, your son becomes a Sunderland fan for life. Um, I'm hoping so. You know, it's great. And I, so I love the fact that you, you've come on board. Um, and not only that, you know, you, it's, like, it's so easy to choose a, a Man City or an Arsenal or Liverpool. Um, but you've, you've done it the hard way. And we like that. <laughs> it's, uh, the hard way, yeah. <laughs> and you, you've stuck with us. And it's, you know... Keep those fingers crossed. It, you know, good times will be here at some point, and you, you can say, "Yeah, I was there when we were." <laughs> when we were I, yeah, you know, I could say, you know, I was there. When... So I'm, I'm not... I, it still hasn't set in yet that I'm going. It won't set in until I'm actually there at the park and I'm at the I'm at, I'm at the pub. So, so what? So what do the guys out in New York think? Like, like you So you you get the um at the prison there. What do that? What those guys think that of you being a Sunderland fan and, and going to the game this weekend? The inmates, they really, I really don't talk personal life with them. No, no, uh, don't blame that one. <laughs> no, no. Uh, co-workers, when they find out, and it's generally everybody, when they find out I follow Sunderland and that I'm a supporter, they're like, really, Sunderland? And I'm like, yep, really, Sunderland. And even even my wife, we got relegated and she goes, she told me, you know, you can pick a Liverpool, you can pick a Chelsea now. But no, no. I've got so much money and time invested into it. I'll stick. I'll stick with them. Uh, um, yeah. And it, <laughs> but if it, makes, if it makes you feel any better, so obviously I've, obviously not for my accent, I've, I'm about 300 miles away from Sunderland or 250 miles away from Sunderland, um, and yeah. I get that asked all the time as well. So I'm always asked, "Why do you support Sunderland?" <laughs> so <that> was, <laughs> yeah. So we've won the same one there. Uh, but Louis, great talking to you. Have a great time on Saturday. Hope you win for you. Um, and yeah, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, it's been really good talking to you. All right, no problem. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks, Take care. Thanks, mate. That was um, Louise there. Uh, Louise Cardona, a New York prison guard. Um, now, he did actually message me after the ga- uh, after our um, chat on Sunday. Just let me know that he's actually going to be in the Good Companion pub on um, on Saturday with his son. So if you're there and you see, um, see an American gentleman, Go say hello to him, buy him a beer. You know, end of the day, he supported Sunderland because of Jose Altador. Now, if anyone deserves a beer because of that. Deserves <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, more than a beer, I think, doesn't he? I think, yeah. So, fair, fair play to him. Because, as I said, he, he, came, he came on board with us. We were doing all right at the time. The great escapes. Um, and it all looked good. You know, obviously, good end to the seasons, I should say. And then... It, Went all downhill and he stuck with us. So, you know, fair oh, play. He could me. have had Gooch. He could have had Gooch. He could have had Rainer, but he chose Altador. <laughs> Interesting. Altador yeah. is a, a massive American legend, though, isn't he? Like, every other team apart from us, he's banged them in. Like, yeah. It's just it's crazy. The Toronto fans were quite, I think, were just as pleased when we did that Jermaine Defoe swap as we was. Because yeah, like Outdoor went in and banged in. He was rubbish over there. So. Yeah, Jermaine Defoe didn't do too well in Toronto, did he? Which is weird because he came back and did amazing. And and, yeah. and, and the standard of football, I mean, I like the MLS. I follow it. I, I've got a, a sort of team of my own over there. But, yeah, I mean, the standard isn't great. I think I think it's just about the players you're around sometimes. And maybe Toronto didn't have a great team. And Outdoor thrived on it being a big fish little pond. I don't know. Mm. No. But, but, yeah, no, fair, fair play to Louise, though. So, I hope he enjoys, um, enjoys Saturday. 
He's a now, big guy. He's got a big beard, doesn't he? So yeah, big, big, big guy, beard. big beards. I say he's a really, really nice guy. Actually, enjoy chatting to him. Now, our favourite time of the week, gentlemen, playing away. So, if you don't know the rules by now, the guys taking turns to pick um, a player from the starting eleven from the game that I've chosen. They have two lives. If they pick a wrong player or pass, they lose a life. There has been a slight tweak on it um, on the game now. And so where previously, if you named a sub, you had to go again. We are scrapping that to make it a little bit easier. So, as you know, um, you know, you'd have to kind of think of another player straight away. However, you only have 15 seconds to give me a player or you will lose a life. Um, when there's a last man standing, <laughs> in result of both losing a life on same go, sudden death of all players named while two are still in, both get a point. Now, it does say here that you get two points if you keep the score at the end of the season. I don't know where we are with this now, <laughs> if I'm honest. No, it's going to need somebody like Sean or someone like that to yeah. go back and just listen to it. So I was going to, to go, through the, go through the files and find out where we actually are with Yeah, I know now. Niles won one and Paul's won one. I think all the others have been draws, but who's yeah, been left had, in? I don't know. We've had a lot of draws. So we've um, Now, there's also been a lot of um, like moaning about what years we <laughs> use. Some, some of the younger members of the Exiles podcast don't like any early 91s. Um, obviously, Martin being the oldest of all of us uh, exiles, wants them as old as possible. Um, however, yeah, 1945. <laughs> I, I actually think this year is going to be harder than, than most. I'm doing um, from the 2017-2018 season, um, where mm. Sunderland beat Hull 1-0 um, on January the 20th. Now, so, you know, it's the pinstripe Daffabet shirts. So it's actually not that long ago. But obviously, how, you know, that season was one to forget. So I'd like to actually see how well you guys can remember it. Um, I was going to say, there's players, there's players there that's not that long ago. But like you said, it's one that we all want to forget about. So. I, I like, normally, I think I, I'd be all right doing most seasons. I'll probably get, you know, I'm quite confident I'll get maybe a nine or ten. I don't think I would have got this one. So um, I, think, now, I think I've blocked this out of my memory. Yeah, so this was this yep, quite interesting, erased, actually. Erased. Now, there was a comment in, in the, in the um, WhatsApp group earlier where John bagged not to go first. So, mm. being the person I am, John, you get to go first. Oh, <laughs> is that is that my time started? Or? Um, your time starts now. Uh, okay, 17-18, um, let's have a think. Uh, John O'Shea? John O'Shea is there. So John's oh, up and running. God. Uh, Martin, you can go next. So what, what was the date of the game? Right. Oh, here he goes. 20th of January, 2018. Sunderland won whole nil. Oh, that's right in the middle of the transfer window as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I was going to say, it's before the end of the, the, the window, isn't it? He's stalling. Um, He's getting more I know. Time. I think it's this 15 well, I've got, seconds. I've got 15 seconds. Um... Grab and come back. Um, the Russia. Jason Steele. Jason Steele, unfortunately, was not in goal that day. Uh, so, Martin, you lose a life. Uh, was he not a sub? No, he wasn't a sub. Oh, sorry. Apologies. He was a sub. I missed that. Sorry, mate. So you don't lose a life, but no, you don't want to say. I don't know. I don't know the rule. I don't like this fifteen. I don't like this fifteen second rule. I'm trying to focus on that. 
Do you know what? Stuff that rule. We'll do our way. Right. You've got no time limit. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just rely on Sean to cut it down. To yeah, make it just, sound like just we're cut it down for us. It's yeah, fine. Yeah, Don't worry about it. Fine. Go, go, so it's, it's on me then, isn't it? So when you said it was in the middle of January, I was trying to think of the strikers, and, but depending on which side of January it is, it could be anything. So I'm going to steer clear of that and I'm going to go with uh, George Honeyman. George Honeyman's in the starting 11. Yeah. Seven out of ten that day. Uh, Always. <laughs> John, you're up. Uh, going to try and play safe, but I think I'm going to mess it up big time because he might be like injured or uh, suspended or something. But I'm going to go Lee Catamore. Lee Catamore was there. Oh, thank God. You're getting, you're getting the low-hanging fruit at the moment. Jesus. Uh, Martin, <laughs> you're back up. Um, hopefully it's a safe one, but it's probably not. Um, Aidan McGeady. Aidan McGeady was on the bench again, Martin. So oh, you don't lose the soap, a line. Uh, so bombers go. Uh, okay. Um, Lee Catamore. It's been said. Oh, is it? Sorry. Uh, so let's go goalkeeper, which means it's one of two. I'm going to go Robin Reiter. Correct. Robin Reiter was in goal. Right. John, you're up, mate. Okay. So we had John O'Shea. Um, uh, who else would have been at the back? Oh, that's going to be a right gamble because we had we had certain people, which I'm not going to name. Um, well, I thought you could do a Michael Dungeon then. <laughs> I nearly <laughs> did. I nearly did. <laughs> Um, oh God! It's either it's it, I'm, I'm going to go for the right back, but um, it's going to be one of two. Uh, I go Billy Jones. Billy Jones is that? Oh, oh I would have gone with the other one. Yeah, I was. Ne- I nearly did it. I'm not going to say his <laughs> name, but I nearly did it. So, Martin, you're up. Um, all right. So, Billy Jones at right back. John O'Shea centre half. Um, Brian Oviedo. He's at left back. Yes. Bombers go. Okay. Uh, So I'm going to have to... Oh, Gooch. Gooch was on the bench. Okay, that's good enough for me. Uh, I'm the only one who hasn't named a bench player yet. There's these these ones that you think are obvious and they're they're just like McGeady, Gooch, but then they're just not. (laughs) Maybe that's why he went down. I'm gonna go. With, <laughs> I'm gonna go with who I thought was the striker, um, which I'm probably gonna absolutely sound ridiculous now. But was Ashley Fletcher up front on his own? No, Ashley Fletcher was not up front, and he oh, was not on the bench. I think I know who bench. that is now. Then, so oh, John, you have lost a life. Brilliant. Really happy about that. So Martin, do you want me to run, run for the team? So you got as it stands, you got uh, Robin Reuter, Billy Jones, Brian Oviedo. Uh, John O'Shea, George Honeyman, Lee Catamole. Mm. Mm. Um, I'm really struggling to see why we went down that season, I have to say. <laughs> um, so another centre-half. See, I think it's now oh. going to get really, really tricky, actually. This, this, I, I might have to start rushing you guys. Well, there's, is... there's, a lot of, there's a lot of players that, like, you can think of, but they probably only played a handful of games. So you don't know who's in yeah. and who's out. It's... Yeah, or they were on loan and they went back. Or yeah, yeah. 
Um, I'm going to go for Callum McManaman. Oh, you like picking these subs, don't you? He's on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bomber, you're up. So, I'm going to take a stab because you or John said that Ashley said Ashley Fletcher and he was not in. I'm going to take a guess or a gamble that at that point we still had um, Lewis Graben. No, he had ah. already left. So, Bomber's one down. So, John, you, I've only got one life left. We must have had someone terrible up front then, because um, if, if it's the people I'm thinking of in that squad, we mustn't have had. Uh, I'm not even going to try it because I'm just worried I'm going to say something completely wrong. Um, I'm probably going to be out now, but I'm going to try it the other centre back because we haven't got the other centre back yet, are we? No. I'm going to go with Mark Wilson. Nope, it's not Mark Wilson. Uh, <laughs> John, ooh, you're 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 gone, John. I knew I was terrible at this game from the start of the season. I don't think I've got a point all season. <laughs> so, Martin, you've uh, your turn to go. You've, you've still got three subs to name. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark Wilson was on my list of horrendous centre-halves. Um, I'm going to go for another one on that list. Um, Jake Clark Salter. He was. He was playing that oh, day. Good shape. Good shape, Mark. Oh, I thought we them ones that might throw people actually. So hey, good, good on that bomber. So we are looking for two wide players and a striker, two strikers. I think you've actually. Um, I think Jake Clark saw. Was he more of like a defensive midfielder as opposed to a? a I think he's sent half. No, I think he's sent half. Or he might have played. Um, well, um, at, um, at the time, I'm sure Coleman was playing three at the back on occasion. Oh, that, well, then that will answer that why. Because you've got another. You've got another. Defender I know who the other one is. So we've got we've got another defender. Yes. Is it? I'll oh, say that. Yeah, you, you've got a defender. You've probably got two strikers still to play. Well, well, well like well, you've probably got three more attacking players. Right. That way. Right. And okay. One defensive. So I've got. Two names then. So, uh, yeah. Can't right, I'm going to go them. with another centre back. I'm going to go with Tyus Browning. Yep, he's there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, well I, done, mate. So, right. you've got your defence. you just got to get, let's say, I'll, I'll call it like three forward, you know, attacking midfielder, you know, boards, oppositions. Uh, so, Martin, you're up. I'm. Um, the, the only name that's coming to mind right now is um, is James Vaughan. No, Vaughan's not there. Martin, oh, well. sorry, but Bomber, you're up. You know, you basically, go get this or you're out. If, like, you get, if, if you don't get this, Martin wins. By default, it's sudden death, lads. Dun, dun, dun. No, no pressure. <laughs> is, is Martin only lost one life? Yeah. Oh, he's got about God. 10 subs though yeah, yeah. Um, I've got all the subs forward players forward players now, I've now, I'm, got, not, now I'm not under pressure I know who it is for sure I think I I've only got one I've only just got one just say name. it then you've got to get all right. one Joel Osoro yeah he's there he actually scored the goal <laughs> <laughs> oh, he good. scored the goal right so Martin you've got two oh, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll chuck Josh Madger into the mix. There you go. You've got that one. They've got one player left and we're done. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, just run through the team. One last time, Mark. Right. Uh, so, right. Go, Robin Reuter. 
uh, yeah. Billy Jones right back, uh, Brian Oviedo, Tyrus Browning, John O'Shea, um, Jake Clark Salter, George Honeyman, Lee Catamole, Josh Madger, Blank, Joel Azoro. So it's got to be in midfield in then, hasn't it? Um, is it good old Johnny Williams? No, it is not. You are out. Oh. It's actually can I, Ethan. Can I have a guess? Can I have a guess? Go on then. I've just said it part of it, but go on. Is it Paddy McNair? Oh, no. It's Ethan Robson. Ethan no Robson. Way. Oh, he must have only played about three games, didn't he? And that must have I, been one of them. <laughs> I seem to think that I thought that was over Jaria, the, the, the last one. Oh, I forgot about him. So that was it. Was all right. That one, you did all right, lads. To be fair, I like that, that, that one. Difficult one. To be fair, yeah, yeah that yeah. wasn't that difficult, except for getting them all wrong, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want, if you want a little fun fact, uh, Hull had three ex-players playing from that that day. Ooh, they had. See if uh, we can name them. Yeah, go on then. Let's let's do this as well. Then one, you get one guess each. Deb uh, Larson. One. El Mahamedy. No. Nope. Oh. David Myler. Yes. And then the other one was Fraser Campbell. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, I've got that. Nice. Well done, gentlemen, on that one. Um, right then, the last part of the day, obviously, before we get to um, your letters, it was actually uh, John's 31 in 31 challenge. John, so I will pass the floor to you and let you explain all about it. Yeah, so um, uh, I was trying to think of, coming into January, I was trying to think of something I wanted to do as a bit of a challenge. I'm severely unfit. Um and um yeah i just uh, i kind of wanted to get back out running i run a, a very modestly small uh, instagram page um called mh support for dads just mental health support for dads um there's a much longer story behind that that i won't bore you all with but it's just basically trying to highlight um kind of lots of uh, different sort of uh, techniques and and kind of support that's out there for for any sort of uh, dads that might be struggling with uh, newborns or just generally being a dad because I think there's a massive gap there and I think the NHS are trying to improve it but um, you know I'm, I'm a recent recent uh, recently new dad and I think that um, when I when I struggled in the first few months like most dads do I don't think there was much support out there so um, yeah I run that page and I just thought within that page I just thought it's a, it a good opportunity to to do something alongside it um, friend of mine does um a lot of campaigning um and a lot of kind of uh, fundraising for for calm which is campaign against living miserably it's um it's a male suicide charity um which obviously um because of knowing this person who does this um i kind of learned a bit about calm and and learned a bit about the fact that in the uk the number one killer of men is suicide um which um you know it, it, it sort of kind of opened my eyes to it all i think suicide is a, a, a tr- tricky thing to talk about a lot of people have preconceptions and uh, and kind of um uh, issues with with suicide for their own reasons but um yeah i think i think it's a great charity overall and i think um i kind of wanted to put something together to try and raise some money so the, the challenge i set myself was to do 31 miles in 31 days of january um running and um it kind of sounds easy when you say it like that it's a mile a day it's, it's nothing really but I, I could barely run down the street um at the start of the month um and uh, yeah i was i was extremely unfit still am in a way um but it's um it's also the fact that obviously people are very busy in january and there's a lot going on and and i think you can't run every day and and a mile a day isn't easy for everyone so uh within the sort of challenge i kind of wanted to document it here and there and do videos for the runs before and after and kind of try and show that running and exercise in general can help aid your mental health and kind of make things a lot better um for you and everyone around you and and kind of 
um, just be a nice sort of stress relief. Um, so yeah, I did a, I did a lot of videos, um, and and the guys got involved um, uh, quite quite heavily actually, which was great, including yourself, Brett, and Bomber and Martin. Um, you've all done amazing, and 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 kind of it, interestingly, we we've been sort of semi competitive with each other, which is amazing. But um, uh, interestingly for me, I'm I'm one of the most competitive people I've ever known. But with this, I kind of was not competitive at all. I was just quite happy to let you all run a lot further than me, quicker than me. Um, not all of you mind, um, but but definitely some of you. And um, Brett's used his uh, cycling legs to good use over the month, I think. Um, well, I wasn't going to say it, John, but now that you do, <laughs> you do bring it up, actually. Um, yeah, some of us, you know, did complete the 31 miles um, quicker than others. All uh, right, fi- all right. Uh, fi- 15 days. Oh, uh, God. You know, just, just saying. Uh, but to be it's fair, right, I wasn't in a competition, okay? I just had to point out, I wanted to just... Get myself fit. I'd have got this. I'm about two stone overweight. I knew I wanted to get fit. I wanted to kickstart my new year um, by doing. That's why I jumped on board doing it. And I was quite happy doing my two miles like every other day, just doing it long, happily plodding along. And then no, someone else in the group, um, no names mentioned, bomber, started like knocking out, <laughs> knocking out five mile runs at lunchtime. <laughs> and I thought, sorry, I'm not having that. <laughs> So I went out one early one morning, five in the morning, went out and did five miles <laughs> just to get to my 31. So that's, that's anyway. your own issues, Brett. I'm not taking any responsibility for that whatsoever. <laughs> no. So, uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll, but then, of, of course, because Bomber being the um, the big man on campus, he's now set himself a new challenge, haven't you, Bomber? Yeah, I have. So I, I, I got to 31 miles, I think, on day 21. Um, and it is, I'll be honest, I'm quite competitive. And um, it's what motivates me and what spurs me on to actually do stuff um so i thought i got to that i have nine days left and i thought well rather than stop i'll try and get to 50 so i finished a run today and up to 47 miles so all i've got is a a 5k run to do tomorrow and that will take me to the 50 mark um and i'll be i'll be more in chuffed with that because my calves and i'm sure everyone's picked up niggling injuries but calves and achilles have been a struggle of mine um so yeah i'll be chuffed if i can get that, fi- that get up to that 50 on a uh friday no but it, was, it was really good um doing it and obviously we'll, we'll link um your page on onto this pod when it goes out yeah event. i just yeah i just want to say i just want to say you know thank you to everybody that's donated so far thank you to you guys for getting involved and kind of helping me to i mean i, I don't think I, I genuinely think that i'd have been able to do it on my own um but it would have, would have been a lot lot harder i think you guys doing it and sort of egging me on and doing your own little thing as well has kind of been a bit jovial for me it's made it a bit easier to do so um yeah thank you to everybody that's done it um it's been really heartwarming um the donations and the comments i've had um I think I'm up to about 200 and odd, 210, 230 quid. And um, I started the, the Just Giving page just trying to raise 100 quid. I just thought it's better than nothing. It's January. No one's got any money. Um, but I got some huge donations and some really nice comments. And I've had at work, you know, people at work saying quite a lot of things. I went out on a run. I went on park run in the middle of it all and uh, the local park run here. And I was wearing my vest and loads of people came up to me. And it was kind of quite emotional, actually, that quite a lot of people were saying what a great cause to run for, etc. So, yeah, I just want to say thank you to everybody, really. And and, and those of you listening, you know, if um, if this is the first you're hearing about it, you know, that's absolutely fine. I know it's the end of the month, but it, any money that you can spare, if you if you do have any um, uh, affinity to this this kind of thing, and or, or any kind of just um, willingness to help out, that'd be fantastic. I'm not I'm not forcing people, but because I hate asking for donations, really. But um, anything you can give would be uh, go a long way. I think I think genuinely, this is the kind of charity that. 
any kind of amount of money saves lives genuinely you know without the money the, the charity couldn't save the lives that that they are saving so um yeah just donate what you can if, if you if you'd like really thank you very much oh, fantastic well done for uh, getting us all involved mate um, yeah good man but last um part of this week's show um we've is obviously time for your letters which I don't actually know why I keep calling it letters when all tweets, but I quite like it. Um, <laughs> yeah, 2020, so, Bratton. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a telegram to read out here. <laughs> uh, now, before, obviously, each week I kind of trap when, when I do the pod, I always sort of put out my load of questions, and I'm always really pleased to get loads of um, loads of answers back. And trying to say, trying to find out different, like, funny stories and find out about you guys really out there who, you know, obviously support the lads and especially those who are exiles like we are um and one of those and you might probably see his name crop up quite a lot on twitter is a guy called uh, martin bates who lives in canada and um he messaged uh, me yesterday basically saying that he, uh, under the unluckiest fan that uh, bomber claimed to be um you know, he's also challenging you um but by far as, as a massive 50 year old fan living in canada all my life i've only um, been able to fly over and see the lads playing live eight times to which were the cup, two cup finals at Wembley, which obviously we lost. Um, but of those eight games I've seen live, uh, one win, three draw, four losses, um, plus the dollars spent. Now, obviously, Martin, you'll know about coming over for the uh, how much that costs for a Wembley game. Um, yeah, so eight times coming over. It's not, is it? So eight times coming over, he's seen us win once. Um, I did actually ask him what that game was. Um, and, you know, of all games to see, it was we beat Man United to 2 1 at Stadium of Light. That was when Kazri scored within three minutes and then Kone later on. Um, uh, you, see, you see the emotions from that is enough to drive him, to, to fly him back nine more times, isn't it, really? So, that's exactly I, do you know, I was actually at that game. It was brilliant. Um, so it's nice to get one over United. Um, but I did actually also ask how, again, like, like all of us guys, how, we, how he's become an exile. Um, but both of his parents were born and raised in Pennywell, moved out of Canada in 1967. Um, so growing up, I'd visit my relatives in Sunderland every year. Sunderland's in my blood. Um, so exactly what me and Martin were saying earlier. Um, another one was from a lady called Alicia. Now, basically, um, this one's really for all of those um, Luco 9 fanboys out there. Um, we were at Oxford away in the home end. Oh, dear. Um, it ended up being one of the most surreal experiences in my life. We ended up sitting next to the a Sunderland player who played in the 60s, although she didn't actually know who that player was. But we then met O9 um, and Gooch in the dugout before meeting us. Before meeting us, um, O9 kicked this massive yellow balloon into the home end which ended up hitting a lady and smashing her phone, which he apologised for. Um, Luke asked why we weren't in the away end, and I tried to get, tried to get over, but was sure it was fine. Wyke and 09 happened to be on the bench for that game, and the fella next to us happened to know Wyke. So throughout the game, until they went on, we proceeded to have a chat with Luke and Charlie while they were warming up on the sidelines. So look at that. Someone's actually managed to speak to Luke 09 before the game. So uh, it just sounds like we filled up half the home end. Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of us about that day I must admit uh, um, I actually met Luke and I as well thank you very much um, so yeah did, you, my, did was, you swoon over him I did actually a little bit <laughs> oh yeah. love you he's, Luke do you know what right do you know what he's taller than he looks uh, he's he's probably about six foot but he um, he's just he, he's just as nice as everybody says he is like 100% like he's just so full on nice and he's genuine with it like and I know it sounds like I fancy him a bit, but he's all right, John. He, for he, God's he sake, he, mate. Do you know what? He's really good looking as well, like face face to face. Um, but yeah, he's a nice bloke, really nice bloke. And he's down to work. I think he's one of them like old school footballers, you know, where they actually just they enjoy doing it. They know it's a job, but like they enjoy doing it. They don't get swept up in it all. And I think that's just refreshing to hear. No, but, 
top lad. He, he does come across as a good lad. Um, and my last two is actually linked to the same game. So this is the first one was from James Fox. Uh, he said, being in exile, Derby days were on the sofa with my dad. Um, again, know that story. Uh, my, but my ex was round for the 1-0 at St. James's Park just before Christmas. We scored and dad and I lost it. Um, her response was arms folded and head slightly tilted. And she said, I think it's pathetic the way you go on. It's only a game. That's unbelievable, that is. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine that? You're jumping around the living room and then your missus goes, oh, it's only a game. <laughs> I'm glad she's his ex. That's exa- she's got. I think that's out. probably the reason why. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, exactly it. It's literally his next words are, she's gone now. Never thought words could hurt that much. Um, <laughs> girl I was seeing last year, though, she, um, girl I was seeing last year, they decided she'd take an interest and begun learning players' names and stuff. We've just never made it to the match together. Um, and then my last one was from Lawrence on the same uh, game. So same di- uh, Derby day five years ago. Also on the sofa. I went mental, um, obviously. A moment later, I noticed my then three-year-old son was doing the exact same thing. When I quieted down to draw breath, he started singing Lock Up Your Horses. <laughs> Hashtag proud dad moment. That, that, that is what it's all about. I've got a similar stories, actually. When we, um, when we, beat, uh, when we basically beat Everton and relegated the Mags, and then the next game was at Watford. And we were all singing, um, like we're staying up, we're going down, that one. I've got a video of my, of my oldest Millie when she, she must have been about three, doing that video, like doing the dance to it at home. And her little sister was only one, comes running in, can't talk, but can still do the movements. Very proud dad <laughs> moment. Lawrence, I know exactly where you're coming from then. But, gentlemen, that is it. That was a really, really long part. <laughs> so, if you're stuck in traffic, hopefully we've. Uh, made time pass a little bit quicker for you um martin it's been a pleasure enjoy your uh the rest of your morning enjoy your run thank you very much yes i will lace up my trainers and um get up to 31 miles for the month get on it martin bomber thank you very much mate again enjoy your run thank you very much brett yeah one more to go and john i take it you're burning your trainers yeah i'm definitely not running for a little while i think i might go i think i might go rehab clinic or something for a month because my legs are about to snap i think but um but yeah thank you again to everybody that's done it um and yeah i just think that at the end of the day you know football's a real winner in all this thanks john (laughs) 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 any any more appreciates to throw in before we my my only other comment actually i was just thinking a minute ago but i was thinking no i'm not gonna be that nasty you know i will be that nasty if sean's got something that he needs to cut out you can just cut out obama's stuff to be honest no one wants to hear him anyway all right fine yeah negative anyway (laughs) gents thank you very much it's perfect it's gonna be a long brett stop recording i haven't i have Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.